Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the Happy Mama Movement podcast. I'm Amy Taylor Kabaz. I would like to start by acknowledging the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation on which this podcast is recorded as the traditional custodians of this land and pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. And as this podcast is dedicated to the wisdom and knowledge of motherhood, I would like to acknowledge the mothers of this land, the elders, their wisdom, their knowing, and my own elders and teachers. Welcome back, mothers. Today, I am speaking to a divine mama of four, based in the UK, who has published a collection of poetry about motherhood. Not the type of poetry that sings the praises and focuses on the love, Although, yes, there are some poems in there. This is our type of poetry on this podcast. It's a poetry around the reality of motherhood. Motherhood in patriarchy. Motherhood that is full of complexities and contradictions. That you can feel lonely even though you are never alone. That you can love so deeply and desire your freedom so deeply. This book is called Motherhood Minus the Medals. It's published under the name Nellie Bryce, but the author's real name is Helen Bryce. I jumped on a call to talk to Helen about her collection of poetry, which she mostly wrote during COVID lockdown over the last two years, and how this creative outlet, this reflection on the experience of motherhood, not only is the statement to the world about what we need, but has also been incredibly healing for her. Enjoy. Helen, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. I have loved reading your collection of poetry. Thank you. It's so lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So how did this collection of poetry begin? You are a mama of four. And when did this artistic streak begin? I often think that I started this during lockdown because that was when I wrote the majority of the book. But actually, it probably started after my first was born. So that's 10 years, 11 years ago now. Um, and I think at that point, it was the first time I, I'd always written a journal or a diary kind of throughout my teenage years. And I stopped it during my 20s. And then when my daughter was born, suddenly found myself completely in flux and turned back to this this thing that had always kind of saved me when I'd been in difficult times before and I picked up my journal when I was when I was going through some difficult times after having my daughter and started writing and I think it was only in the last couple of years I realized that some of what I was writing was poetry I almost didn't define it as such I thought it was just scribblings that were coming out of my head so the very first one of the poems that goes the furthest back is probably from then but the majority of it was written during lockdown the last couple of years which I think for everybody brought things to a head didn't it and you kind of really started to think about 
who I was as a mother and, and I kind of I pulled back from that whole experience I think. Because you really write from this point of view of how invisible, how unseen, uncelebrated, unvalued, unsupported motherhood is in a patriarchal society. Did you feel that right from the very beginning? Yeah, I think I did. I think I did. Mm. And I think I was really shocked by it. I don't think I expected it. I think I was... I mean, I, I write in the book that I was probably shamefully naive to it because I was in my own bubble of of youth, I suppose, and and privilege. And then, yeah, I suddenly realised when I had this, I had a baby that I couldn't quite understand how I'd gone from being really visible at work and in in all areas of my life, really, to suddenly feeling like um, like what I was doing wasn't as important anymore. And that hit me because I felt like I'd suddenly taken on the most important job in the world, and I couldn't work out why nobody else saw that the same way that I did <laughs> so yeah I really really felt it and, and and the judgment I think that you feel as a mother particularly as a new mother I think particularly it's your first baby because you're not expecting it perhaps the feeling of having to be expected to be a certain type of mother um yeah mixed with the invisibility of you know returning to work and suddenly being maybe not seen as important or as you know worthy of promotion or you're working part-time and I, I certainly felt like those two things were so stark that, that it really messed with my with how I was feeling yeah that's it and because your poetry re- reflects on that a lot this contrast of being both completely invisible and so visible as mm. a mother and being judged in how you do it and this absolute split between knowing and being told you're doing the most important job in the world but having absolutely no resources to do the most important job in the world exactly exactly which doesn't make any sense at all and I think during the pandemic that became more visible to me and perhaps that was some of what spurred me on to start putting this down onto the page in that I really felt that split in the way that um, parents were expected to pick up so much of the work and I know everyone suffered during the pandemic that continues to go on but just automatically expected to pick up that work um, again, almost invisibly, uh, without kind of any consideration for what that meant. And at the same time, still feel the pressure to be, you know, homeschooling our kids and making sure that they have the best upbringing, which of course we want to do. But yeah, without the resources, it's hard. And I love how you say right at the very beginning that you were brought up by a strong single mum yeah. who taught you that women can do anything. But then you entered a world intent on enforcing the opposite. I loved how you said that because that is our generation. We were brought up to believe that the world was our oyster. We could do it all. We could be a mother. We could be a wife. We could be a successful businesswoman, politician, whatever. And yet the world is intent on making sure we are not able to do all of that because we don't have what we need to be able to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. Do you think that's a generational thing? Do you think that's different for the next generation? Well, interestingly, the statistics are showing us that the next generation of women don't want to have babies Yeah, because they've watched us and seen it doesn't work. They either fall behind at work or they suffer at home and the relationships fall apart and the surveys of the next generation of men and women the desire to be parents is dropping dramatically, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which is incredibly sad, don't you think? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. 
I think it would be nice to get to a stage where choosing to become a mother was, or not to become a mother or a parent, was more widely accepted as well. I think more people are speaking about that now, and I love that. I think it's it's great that women are no longer expected to simply become mothers by default, and that and if they don't, then you know what use are they to society? But yeah, the the fact that I think that choice has been taken out of people's hands, it's yet again the same thing, isn't it? It's this it's this feeling that we should have choice and we just don't have choice, and and now. You know, there's new choices to be made about even becoming a mother in the first place because that support isn't there in the way that we maybe felt it a little bit further down the line. But either way, not not great. No, and from my understanding of the statistics, they're choosing not to become parents because of the system. Yeah. Because there is no support, because they've watched the previous generations. Perhaps suffer is a strong word, but maybe that's what they would use in trying to balance and have it all. And they're choosing, no, thanks. I don't want to do that. So if we had a better system in place, maybe their choices would be different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah. Have you spoken to your mum? Has she seen this book? Uh, My mum has seen the book, yeah. She was really proud of it and she's, she's quite gushy. I was a bit kind of oh, it's quite sweary, mum, and and she's she, she's not hugely into swear into swearing, so um, she was desperate to take it to her church and, and literally give a copy to every single person she met. I was like, oh, maybe maybe check whether they're okay with the swearing, um, but she was so so proud of it. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that's the other side of the generational conversation, isn't it? That I wonder what the previous generations think of the conversations that we're starting to have about how much more we need equality and support and visibility for mothers. Yeah, absolutely. She gave me a book that she'd had once from when she was my age about how to be, I suppose, a good mother. It wasn't actually worded quite so brutally, but that was pretty much the premise. And it had things in it like, you know, be sure to iron your husband's shirt in the right way before he comes home. I was literally reading the words thinking, is this, is this written in print? Has this actually been printed? And she was like, yeah, it was from a big publisher. It was lots of our friends had it. It was a widely read book. And all of it was about how to be, uh, you know, great in the home, really. I think that was the main premise of it. And please your husband. So yeah quite different and it's not that long ago it's not it's only it's only our mothers no I know it was the yeah it was the it's the late 70s the book had been published yeah that's not that is not that long ago is it no No. I was born in the late 70s that's that's the start of my generation wow yeah so you talk a lot about the patriarchy you have a poem in there the feminist mothers club there's a lot of these conversations around the role of women and mothers what do you hope that this will do? What conversations do you want to have had when people read this book? Well, the first thing I really hoped was that they felt a bit reassured that it wasn't their fault. Because I think when I first became a mum 11 years ago, like there wasn't social media then and I didn't have a smartphone. So I wasn't able to follow people like you, Amy, and find that reassurance and that support. And I felt really lonely. And I'm sure that that is still the case for lots of mothers now that they feel some of that. So I hope that it it would put into words some of those feelings that maybe we then internalise and think we're doing something wrong because we feel this way or because we're not finding it easy or because we're not loving every second. And of course, some of that is completely natural, regardless of the patriarchy. But I do think it's worth recognising that some of that is put upon us, not necessarily just the way that we feel. So I definitely wanted some of that. 
because I wasn't sure whether I should write this book. So I, I think you always think, what place have I got or what right have I got to write this book? Mm-hmm. It's just my experience and that's just one experience. And so I really doubted myself and struggled with that and, and probably sat on it for far too long. So I did want it to also be a prompt to say, if you feel some of this, then write about it and use your voice. And because I don't think there's enough written about motherhood. I think it's still seen me as niche which is absolute craziness because it's, you know, it's, it's life and death and, you know, it's everything, isn't it? And I still think that there's a bit of feeling like, oh, I'm going to bore people with my motherhood stories or, you know, I don't want to, I go into work and, and obviously it's up to you if you want to speak about your family and work, but I certainly felt it was a bit of leave work at ho- leave home at home, don't go on about your children too much, so that I look professional and that I could be taken seriously. And no, geez, like life is so much more than these things that we can put into separate categories. Life is is about kind of growth and nurturing and responsibility and love and God, so much love. So I really wanted to to almost spark some, if you want to write about motherhood or if you've got even the slightest desire to do that. I've only been a poet for a few years, I would say. So go write. Go, don't wait for somebody to give you permission to do it. Just write it and share it and speak about it and let's let's talk about this amazing experience of motherhood a little bit more um and again that can be linked to the patriarchy because I don't think that we're always encouraged to there's probably more writing about sports and football than there is in motherhood oh yeah so absolutely I, think, no. I mean we have whole channels dedicated to fishing for goodness yeah. sakes but yes, we don't we do. have <laughs> only a handful there's a handful of motherhood studies in universities around the world it blows my mind that it's not even a well-recognised topic to study. And I love, again, that you wrote in your book that, you know, we hope one day there will be shelves and shelves dedicated to motherhood in libraries. Yes. Like where are all the stories? Because if we're going to change this and make it less invisible, we need all the different versions yes, of the stories out do. there. We 100% need all the different versions. And so what did it give you to tap into that creativity? Because I know a lot of the mamas that I speak to and are in my programs, they're feeling everything you've written here. They're every single poem. You can see yourself in it. You've had those moments. And so they're internalising it at the moment. What does that creative outlet give you? How has that changed you? That gives me so much. I use my journal every single day, and I know you're a big journaling fan too. It's I just think it's a way to to find some release and to find your voice on the page, I think is a really powerful thing. Um, both to be able to reflect back on experiences and then be able to dissect them a little bit, maybe move on from them or maybe celebrate them, whatever that brings. But also to to tell stories on the page, I think is just wonderful. And yeah, it made me really happy. And particularly during lockdown, I think... The journaling had, had helped me forever. Like I'd, I'd always been a big fan of journaling and from having my first baby, I was always a huge fan. I journal a lot. But then during lockdown and the pandemic over the last few years, I'd started doing some poetry courses and workshops and started writing poetry more consistently. And it was such a massive outlet, such a release from the day to day and look forward to it every week. And I think we've all got that, haven't we? We've all got that need for creativity, I think, whether we've been told we're not creative in school or whether we've lost it because we've not had we've not allocated that time to ourselves to be able to do it. For lots of reasons, I think we've lost it or lots of people have lost it. So we've I, I'd certainly lost it. And suddenly getting it again, I felt like I was a teenager. I felt like I was learning something new and I was able to 
I just I couldn't get enough of it. I could not get enough of it once I'd started. And it's since continued to be a huge part of my self-care. So it's the hobby that I do for like a for hobby's sake, just for fun. And I don't do it for any other reason. And again, there's so much I think that you, you can't say that to, can you? Because you're so busy. It's, uh, it's so hard to justify sometimes because you think if I'm going to have any time away, it has to be to make money or it has to be to do something for the good of the family or it has to be uh, there's, uh, to care for like my mum or my to do something for the community. And, and I think all of that is important, but also to just have something for yourself where you just get to play and have fun and express yourself and understand yourself better and make something beautiful. Oh, I just think it's wonderful. And I think everyone should do it. It's the beautiful divine feminine qualities of beauty for the sake of it. It doesn't have to be productive. You don't have to make money from it. It is to fill your soul, to take time and space for yourself. It's so important. And I've spoken over the years with artists, painters, drawers, you know, people who used to make clothes, all of these things that get sucked up with those early months of motherhood. And then before they know it, it's been years before they've tapped back into it. And it's a core part of who they were. It's that identity they need to bring back in. So I really love the way you spoke about that, because I know there's so many that would be listening right now and just have that little spark of, oh, yeah, I could do that. So thank you. That's really beautiful. I used to run a a workshop about changing career. Um, So my background's in human resources and training and development. So I used to do a lot of workshops and courses. And I did one all about changing career because this came up a lot, I think, from others when they were thinking about wanting to do something new. And the course was brilliant. But what always used to strike me was that the biggest light bulb moments, I suppose, came not necessarily about work. It was always, I've gone back to trying something that I've not done since I was young, or I've gone back to painting or writing or whatever it was, or a certain exercise. And and I love that. I love that it, it started off being about work because that's often our biggest pull, isn't it? That we need to do something. And then and then it evolves naturally. We think it's more about it's something else. And, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And that's what we need as mums mm-hmm. to bring that balance in. I also love that I was reading you were worried about your children reading this in the future. Mm. It almost stopped you a few times to put it out into the world because uh, the reality is it is a lot of reflections on the difficulty and the contrast and the invisibility and the struggles of motherhood. Can you talk to us about that? Because this is, again, a very common thing I hear from both people who are writing about motherhood or even just mothers themselves. You know, they say how difficult it is, but then they always follow up with, but I'm so blessed and I'm so grateful and I wouldn't change anything. And they almost want to cover up that they're finding it hard, that there has been a struggle in this. It's such a big thing to just say, this is my experience. I love my kids, of course, but this is what it feels like to me right now. You explained that so well. Um, Yeah, exactly that. I still do struggle with it. If I'm honest, I'm still struggling with it because I've put this book into the world and occasionally I suddenly have the the urge to take it back out and to make sure that no further copies go into the world. And for some of that reason, you you, you look at your children and you love them so much and, and the idea that you might have written something that could hurt them is so is so awful that you want to just delete it all. And then I have to remind myself that actually 
that I don't want them to grow up having the same experiences that I sometimes have with motherhood. I want them to grow up in a world where motherhood is celebrated and they're allowed to be the type of mother that they want to be and, um, you know, aren't, aren't living in a patriarchy. It's probably a bit ambitious considering that the eldest is 11. But I, 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 I hope for that. I hope for that, yeah. So, um, and, th- and then when I remember that, I think, if I don't use my voice, what am I teaching them? What am I telling them about going out there and talking about what you believe in and what you're passionate about and what you'd like to change. And that, that is what keeps me doing it. And that is what keeps it, keeps it out there. But I can't pretend that it isn't something that bothers me because it, it does. I love that. Thank you for being honest. I think the good mother myth, this idea that we all should be perfect and love every minute of it is never going to change if we're afraid to show our truth. And so a book full of poetry about the truth of this experience is exactly what we need. And if we keep pulling it back and hiding it, we're never going to change it, are we? No, No, we're not. No, we're not. So, yeah, I I hope that they read it and I hope that uh, one day, I always think just, oh, maybe don't read it before you have children. (laughs) Maybe it'll feel like this. (laughs) Maybe it'll feel a little bit off-putting. It's not all negative. The book has got lots of uh, poems full of joy in it, but it does feel positive. But I do hope that they read it one day and I hope that they can see from it that actually that having a self and being able to keep that self within within motherhood and not be entirely uh, defined by that title is can be a positive beautiful thing that that is what that's what I hope they'll get from it one day oh I love that that having a self within motherhood is so important and that self can look like poetry it can look like your work it can look like a hobby whatever it is but we need to find ourselves within this yeah yeah definitely Mm. so 11 years on from that first experience four children later what do you think motherhood has shown you the most? Oh, that's a good question. Do you know, I don't know whether it's what it's shown me the most because I think I think it's shown me how to love in a way that I never realised. And that sounds so cliche, doesn't it? It's so, but it does, doesn't it? You, you don't realise how much you can possibly love somebody until, uh, not that I don't love my husband, but it's different. I, God, I'm so in love with these kids. And they show me how to live, if I'm honest. I know that's really cliche as well. And I could have written a whole book on this around how what they show me on a daily basis about how to live and what's important in life. Um, but I think the interesting angle to that also, and I suppose it continues on the theme of love, is that it's really challenged me on loving myself. I think that that is something that motherhood has given me that I didn't realise it would give me. Um, in that I'm really aware that I want my children, and particularly my girls, um, not more than my boys, but because I think it's more of a challenge for my girls, potentially, I suppose, to to grow up uh, so in love with themselves that they are able to then share that love with the world and feel that love and accept that love. And I found that really hard and I continue to find that hard and I work on it every single day. It's what stops me taking the time to look after myself. It's what stops me. It's what, you know, it's where, where will my fears come from? It's what, it's what almost makes me take that book off the shelf. So uh, I work on that all the time. And and in watching them, I, I feel that they inspire me to do that more and work harder because I really want them to feel that too. And I know that I've got those small, those eyes looking up at me all the time, haven't I? Seeing how I speak about my body, how I talk about myself, how I prioritise my own well-being. You know, they're watching. And I, and I don't say that in a way to like make you feel guilty or make myself feel guilty. I say it because I think it's a beautiful thing. I, th- I say it because it's, 
I think it's a gift that they give me in doing that because they allow me to really work on that. And I think that's a lifelong thing that I'll constantly be working on because um, it doesn't come easily. Mm, Beautifully said. Wow. Thank you. So to finish, I would love if you could read us one of the poems from your book, one of the poems from your collection, so everybody can hear what it's like and and reflect on it. Thank you so much, Helen. It's been really, really beautiful. Thank you. I'd love to. So um, I'll read one called Imagining a Motherhood No Longer Wrapped in Cellophane on a Garage Forecourt. Imagine a world glistening with mothers where they grow wild on street corners and down shared walkways, have roots in the centres of glass buildings where they bloom and grow out loud, every breath more alive for their existence, where we ask children to paint them in spring, to capture their yellowy youthful hopefulness. Then, when the daylight hours are longer, put them in vases centre stage on long tables to eat great food. If their bodies should fall to the ground, bruised perhaps from the harsher weather, imagine that we gather them up and stir them into potions, fill intoxicating glass bottles of blues, greens, pinks, colours that go far beyond what we assumed we knew and for which people will queue for miles and miles will beg to understand, appreciating that they are truly life-giving. Where we weave their fierceness into spiky cinnamon-scented wreaths or dry them as their vibrancy fails but is no less beautiful. Place them purposefully next to fireplaces and on polished wooden dresses where visitors will stop and stare, unable to pass by, oblivious. Wow, goosebumps. Thank you so much. I will put all the details how people can get a copy of this because it will be on shelves everywhere. That's what we want and what we need. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you so much for the work you do. The massive inspiration. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Wow. Thanks so much. This little collection of poetry is a really beautiful bedside book. I know often I want to just read something, reflect on something before I fall asleep, but picking up a big book and trying to get through a whole chapter is too much at the end of a really full day. This book can be that little check-in with yourself. The collection of poetry is beautiful. It is such a divine insight into the realities of motherhood. And as you read them, you can really reflect on how invisible it is but how you can start seeing yourself in a different way motherhood minus the medals by nelly bryce all the details are in the show notes and you can also follow nelly on instagram share this far and wide as always and leave a review so more and more mamas can hear these stories and start the conversation as well until next week satnam